how it lights my path, how it guides my way. We're reading the last few verses of Mark chapter 12, uh, so if you've got that in your Bibles, um, can you find verse 38, that's where we'll be starting. And we'll be reading from verse 38 to the end of the chapter. So Mark chapter 12, verses 38 to 44. And in his teaching, Jesus said, Beware of the scribes who like to go about in long robes and to have salutations in the marketplaces and the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury, and watched the multitude putting money into the treasury. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two copper coins which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, This poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the treasury, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, her whole living. Steve, would you like to come forward and I'll pray for you before you preach? Father God, we do do thank you for Steve, for all that he does for you in this congregation and elsewhere. We thank you for the words you've placed upon his heart to release to us this morning. And Father, we we pray that as he releases those words, they will fall like fresh rain on this congregation. And um, may something be planted there which will grow, which will have new life put into it uh, through the words that Steve releases to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're running out of things. As a world, we're running out of things. I think I've been aware of this for quite a while, that there are certain things that we haven't got as many of as we used to. We don't have as many trees as we used to. We don't have as much fossil fuels as we used to. We don't have as much metal as we used to, apparently. It's those little bits of metal that apparently all of us are squirreling away in our mobile phones and all those sorts of devices. Uh, The big question of, is there enough lithium in the world to create enough batteries to make all of our cars go electric? All these sort of questions. There is not just enough of anything in the world. Well, we've got too much carbon dioxide, apparently. But apart from everything else, we haven't got enough of anything else. And I think many of us feel in the same way in our lives too, that we just don't have enough of everything that we need. It's that season. Society sort of goes in those cycles when society seems to have an abundance and then society doesn't have an abundance. And I think the same happens for each of us as individuals. There come times in our life when we feel that we're okay and then there are other times when we're in a very, very tight squeeze. And I think we're at that point now where many of us feel we're in a tight squeeze. There isn't anything spare, so how can I give if I've got nothing to spare? And here we are, we're on Giving Sunday, and as Debbie has said, our emphasis is not so much on give us your money, channeling Bob Geldof there for those that remember. (laughs) It's more on how do we use what we have for God 
and rightly. And there are two examples in the passages that we've read. A group of people that didn't do it quite so well, and a woman who did it well. And Jesus pointing to those two examples to encourage us, which one are we going to be like? Which one do we want to be like? And how can we be like, well, the hint, how do we be like the woman rather than like the others? And there are three questions I want us to think about this morning as we approach that. Three things that I think will help us to focus on how we use what we have, those dwindling resources, those things that we don't feel that we have enough of. The first thing to think about, the first question to ask is, what resources do we have? What have we got? What have we got that we can use to bless other people? What have we got that we can give away? What have we got that we can release to the Lord? What things have we got that God would be blessed by receiving from us? Because for God's point of view, he longs for us to be people who give, because giving is a good place to come from. Generosity is a good thing. God is generous. And he loves to see generosity coming from within us. He wants us to look at our lives and say, what have we got that we can give? Well, money is the first thing. That's the obvious thing. Money is the first thing. It's Giving Sunday, so we think about money, but there's not a lot of that around at the moment. Many people are in work where their real-time wages are less than they were 10 years ago and feeling the squeeze. And then in addition to that, everything costs so much. Fuel costs so much. Because of intervention from certain government ministers in the last week or so, turnips seem to cost a lot more than they used to. (laughs) Everything costs more than it does in the past. And there just isn't that money to go around. So how can I give with money? And there's that question about what to do about money. How do I cut back in order to give more? When I'm already cutting back in order to be able to live. But money is the first thing. And I think it's an important thing for us each to think about our money and where our money situation is at. And we'll talk a little bit more about just what Shirley was saying earlier on. About sometimes there's that place of trusting in God to provide. But today isn't just about asking about money. It's asking about other things too, other resources that are in our lives too. It's about doing a kind of a stock check about where we're at. You know that kind of a stock check that you do if you work in a store and every now and again you need to work out the stuff that's there? Or that stock check that you sometimes need to do at home before you go to the supermarket? Because I'm notorious for not doing a stock check when I go to the supermarket. I'm coming back and finding that there's already three of something in the cupboard that I bought because I thought we didn't have any. I'm dreadful at doing that. And then the thing that we did need, I don't go and get. So it's it's a good habit to just check, do I need another lettuce before I put another one in the fridge? Or another cucumber to join the other one that's there that's gone slightly mouldy at the base because I didn't realise it was there. What have we got in our lives? What things do we have? When you live in a rental property, when I've lived in property before that's owned by somebody else and it's time to move out, there's an inventory that's done at the point of moving in and an inventory that's done at the point of moving out. When you come along and you look at everything that's in the property, and are there still ten knives in the cupboard? Are there still ten forks? 
Is there still that saucepan with a dent in the bottom from when who knows what happened, but it was documented that there was a dent there? And is there still a dent there? Well, I'm actually quite relieved if there wasn't a dent there, but you know, the, oh, what's that dent doing in the frying pan? There wasn't one there. What have you been doing with that? And we do an inventory and look at the things that are there and what state they're in. And it's sometimes a good thing to do that in our lives. What are our resources? What have we got? What do we need? What have we got that we can give? What are we stockpiling? What are we able to give away? What's our inventory? It would be good to make a little bit of space this morning for each of us to think, what have I got? What has the Lord provided me with? And what am I doing with it? So there's money. There's that cash that's in the pocket, although... Actually, I don't really have cash in my pocket these days. Ever since the pandemic, I've just used a bit of plastic for almost everything I do. But it's the cash that we have in our pocket. It's that spare bit of change that's rattling around. Sometimes there is a spare bit of change. Usually, there isn't. And things are very, very difficult at the moment. And as I said, there isn't often that flex that the... A few years ago, we may have said, what about giving up that cup of coffee that you have every day and making one at home and giving that to something? But we've already given that up. So that's difficult. So let's think about other things in our lives in addition to money. There's time. Sometimes there's time. For some of us, time is harder than money. Or we think it is. Time can be in short supply. Many of us are working longer hours than we ever have done before. There's that pressure in the workplace to be seen to be staying later or the impossibility of the workplace where you have to stay later, or the impossibility of the workplace that invades our personal time when we get home, or because we're working from home, the whole thing's so blurred anyway, who knows where our time is. And time is being nibbled away at and clawed away at in our lives. To such an extent, I think we don't often pay attention to it. We just constantly feel under pressure for time. Anybody here feel constantly under pressure from time? that there just isn't enough time and it's always going from one thing to another, there doesn't seem to be the time in the middle to do something. Even if we want to do something with our time, it's not there. We have busy seasons. We have quieter seasons. But in the quieter seasons, we're often too exhausted getting over the busy seasons to have much time in those places either. But sometimes it's a matter of coming before God and doing an audit of our time and saying to the Lord, what of those things do we need to be doing and what of those things do we need to stop doing to free up time for something else so that we can give time? Because time is an immensely important gift. Almost anything we can do for the Lord involves giving time. And in some ways, in some times, that's even harder than giving money to give that time. And maybe this is a time for us today, this week, to meditate before the Lord. What's important that we let go of? What's important that we change in order to free up some time? Maybe as we do our inventory, we think about power and influence that we have. Some of us have got a lot of power and influence. Some of us don't have much, or we think we don't have much. But we have more than we think we do. Some of us are important in work, and there are people that work for us. And there's a way that we can give that influence to the Lord, that we can be wise in how we influence things, and wise in how we shape cultures, wise in how we shape the ways that things happen, where we work amongst our friends, in our family. 
Our children look to us and we have authority and power and influence over them. Many of us are more influential amongst our friends and our peer group than we think we are. It's when all of your friends start wearing the same pair of shoes that you're wearing that you know you've got influence over people without realising it. We have influence. And maybe it's that influence we need to focus with the Lord and say, how can I use this position of authority, this position of influence, this position of power for the blessing of others? Some of us are influencers online. Not mentioning any names. But there are people who have influence with what we do as we work online. And how do we use that for the Lord? Some of us don't have any of that, but the one thing we do have is energy. A lot of energy. A lot of ability to do so much and to keep going when the rest of us are sitting on the sidelines going. But there's energy there. Maybe it's that energy we can give. Maybe it's enthusiasm. What are we always talking about? Some of us are just always talking about one particular topic, one particular thing. Always talking about the rugby, what's happening with that. Always talking about Love Island or The Apprentice or whatever it may be that we're enthusiastic and passionate about. Our work, music, Jesus. We've got enthusiasm. And how can we channel that enthusiasm for the Lord and give that enthusiasm to him? How can we release that to be a blessing for the Lord? Some of us, our enthusiasm is on the rugby and has been on the rugby every day for the last 26 years. Or golf. Some of us, our enthusiasm moves and flits around like a butterfly going from plant to plant. And this week, I'm mainly interested in eating eggs. And next week, I will mainly be interested in something else. And then, but we have that enthusiasm. And then finally, there's something that we've all got, that we've all got a lot of. If the energy crisis relied upon this thing, the energy crisis wouldn't exist at all because there's so much of it everywhere and we've all got lots of it. This, this thing that we've got so much of has a technical term. It's called stuff. <laughs> we've all got Stuff. We've got a resource that's just unbounded of stuff. We go to the shops and we get more stuff to put in our house. And then every week we get stuff and we throw stuff away. There's just stuff everywhere. In my work bag, I'm sometimes surprised at the stuff that lives at the bottom of my work bag that I'd forgotten I put in there in case I may need it and never did. We find stuff sitting all over the place. We've got our houses of stuff in cupboards that we'd forgotten that we got. There's that frying pan with a dent in it <laughs> that we never use. There's stuff under the bed. There's stuff everywhere. And maybe it's bringing that to the Lord because that's something to give that we wouldn't even notice and would actually improve our lives if we did something with it. And yet that stuff can be recycled and regenerated and used somewhere else. So we have a lot of things. And I just wondered if we can take a moment. I'm not finished, so don't get excited. But I wondered if we can just take a moment in quiet before the Lord and just ask him that question. What 
have we got? Each of us. What have we got? What are the things that we had forgotten about? Where is our time able to be given to him? Where are our resources, our stuff, our energy, our enthusiasm, our influence? then maybe it's time to ask the second question. What do we use these resources for? How do we use these resources? Some of them we don't even use. Some of them we feel that we just happen to have, or some of them seem to control us. Time has that feeling sometimes that it controls us rather than us having some control over it. But what do we use them for? And Jesus is here in the temple towards the end of his ministry, in the last day or so of his public ministry. Sitting in the temple with a group of people gathered around him, with his disciples around him, and pointing out two different groups of people as they move around. Firstly, he focuses on a group of people whose attitude to resources seems to be, give me more. I want more. And I want to use the things that I have in order to gain more and in order to bless myself and to resource myself, the Pharisees. The Pharisees were richer than many, though they weren't super rich. They weren't the uber-rich of their day. The very rich were the Sadducees. They had far more resources. They had far more money than the Pharisees did. But the Pharisees weren't badly off. The Pharisees were influential, though not as influential and powerful as the Sadducees. The Sadducees had the power and the influence, but they still had influence. They were the religious authorities. They were the religious People that you went to if you wanted to understand the law. They were bastions of the establishment. They were religious leaders with huge power and huge influence. And they flaunted what they had. Verse 38. As he taught, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They make lots of themselves. There's a sense of pretense, a sense of magnifying themselves and increasing their own significance in the world. They draw attention to themselves wherever they go for that ego boost that it gives, for the way that by drawing attention to themselves, they can seem to get even more influence over people, shoring up their power base, grabbing hold of resources, of energy and all sorts of things for themselves. They wear flowing robes. They reference to the prayer shawls that they would wear. Long prayer shawls made of wool or linen with tassels in the four corners that they would wear. Very, very distinctive appearance and made them look more pious, made them look more religious, made them look more authoritarian, made them look more godly of that appearance of godliness as they moved around. Looking for the best seats in the synagogue. In a synagogue, there were a row of seats up against the wall that faced into the body of the congregation who were usually gathered sitting on the floor in the central part. 
Those were the key seats where you could address the congregation, where you could share things with the congregation and teach. So inevitably, if you're an expert in the law, you're going to want to sit in one of those places to speak into that. But it's a place of power. It's a place of authority. It's a place of magnifying yourself to be part of that platform party. At times in life, it's right to be part of the platform party because that's where God has called you to do. But sometimes we seek after a platform because we want to magnify ourselves. Does that make sense? Does that echo? Sometimes we know that God has placed us in a place and we need to be there because God has called us to be in that place. And sometimes we want to be in a place because we kind of want to be on the platform. Sometimes we want to be on the platform because God has said, you need to be on the platform and I've got something for you to say. Sometimes we want to be on the platform because we want to sit here and go, I'm on the platform, look at me, I'm on the platform. And you get a sense amongst the Pharisees that they want to be on the platform because they want to be on the platform. And it increases the power that they have over people. Greeting people in the marketplace. The expectation was that as a Pharisee went through the town square, everybody apart from those engaged in manual labor, people engaged in manual labor were let off this because they're far too busy, but everybody else would have to rise before them as they come through to acknowledge their presence as they're coming through in the marketplace. They've got power. They've got influence, but they want more. And they're using their faith, they're using their trust in God to advance that, to grab hold of more. Instead of saying, I love the Lord and therefore how can I bless? It's with my position, how can I grab hold of more for myself? They devour widows' houses, it goes on to say in verse 40. An interesting juxtaposition when we're about to talk about a widow in a second. They devour widows' houses And for sake of appearance, they say long prayers. Josephus talks about a story of uh, of um, somebody in Rome, somebody who was a a scoundrel who'd been exiled to Rome, who persuaded a wealthy widow to make regular large donations to the temple in Jerusalem, which inevitably he uh, popped into his own pocket rather than passing on to the temple. And there's a story of huge shame. How the Pharisees got money out of the widows is not said, and we don't really know. There's all sorts of ways that they could have done that, whether that's legal maneuverings or whether it's deception or whether it's lies or whether it's abuse of their hospitality, that the widows had an open place for the religious leaders to come round and have tea when they wanted to. So they come round and have tea quite often. It's just an abuse of things and begin to suck the resources out of somebody else for themselves. And it's a thing for all of us to be careful about. Praying long prayers just to be seen. Has anybody here ever been tempted to pray an impressive prayer just to be seen? There's these temptations that nibble away at us sometimes as believers of things that we ask, why am I doing that? Am I doing that because the Lord has asked me to do that? Or am I doing that in order to be seen as somebody who's significant? Does that make sense? These are temptations that press in upon us constantly. And it's right that before the Lord we say, Lord, why am I doing this? What's the right reason for doing this? What are my motives for doing this? Is it to grab hold for me or is it giving away for others? Then there's the widow. Very, very different. Entering into the treasury in the temple, the the treasury was in the court of women, so there were different courts within the temple. There's a place where even the Gentiles could be, and then there was the court where 
all of the Jews could be, the court of the women it was called, so that women were permitted in there. The next layer in was the court for the men only. So this, this, the treasury was in the court of women, so that women were able to give as well as the men being able to give. And there were three, 13, apparently, huge chests there for donations, of different types of donations, shaped in the shape of a large shofar, a large, large ram's horn. So with an opening at the end and then closing down so you could throw the money into these things that were wide enough to receive, so you could throw the money in. As the word is used here for throwing and casting the money in, the people casting their money in. So which she's giving it to and what fund she's paying into, it doesn't say. And how Jesus noted her is difficult to know. It could have been one of the religious leaders that was standing there, and they were religious leaders that were there. As somebody would come up, they would, in, they would ask them, what are you here to give? What donation are you due to be making? How much are you going to be giving? Can I see the currency? And they'd want to check it to check it was genuine before allowing it to be passed on and then advise them which of the chests you would put the money in. So maybe Jesus overheard a conversation that went, how much? Uh, okay, over, over there. Or maybe Jesus just heard the noise that the two tiniest coins make when they drop into something because they make a very different noise to something else. As sometimes people say as the offering goes around, I don't think Edward ever says it here, but uh, let's do the offering quietly so there's a little rustle of paper rather than chink of coins going in. There's a different sound that different bits of money make. So maybe Jesus just heard that. But there were rich coming into the temple. And the temple was a very, very, very impressive place. It still is. Anybody here have been to the temple in Jerusalem? What remains of it? It's an immense building. Even as somebody in the Western world who has grown up with immense architecture and skyscrapers in, in London, you go to the temple in Jerusalem and it is massive. And in the ancient world, how impressive it would have been in terms of its size. It was huge. And the Levites who worked there didn't have any land. All the other tribes had land and they didn't have any land. And they were provided for by others giving money into the temple. And there were storehouses full of gallons and gallons and gallons of oil and gallons and gallons of wine and huge mountains of grain. All this stuff was stockpiled in there. The curtains and the decor in the temple were lavish. Every utensil that was being used was made of gold or of silver. It was an impressive building. And there are people coming in giving large donations into that place. And into that, this widow walks and gives two tiny copper coins that, let's be honest, made no difference to the operation of the temple whatsoever. They didn't need those two tiny copper coins. What's the point? Why am I even bothering to give two tiny copper coins? What's that doing? In that environment, when you're walking into this huge amount of resource, and yet Jesus sees something that others weren't seeing, that the importance of the gift is not how big it is. It's the heart of the giver. Her heart was to give. She had nothing else left when she gave what she gave. And she gave it because she wanted to give, because she knew that's what was right to do, and she wanted to bless the Lord and to bless his people and to contribute. Whatever she had, she would contribute, and she wanted to contribute it. And Jesus saw that and recognized how significant that gift was. So the challenge for us is, from our inventory, what can we give? 
to be like that widow. We may look at it and say, it's not going to make any difference, but the Lord is still saying it's good to give and to be like that and not try and stockpile for ourselves. And finally, finally, how can we use our resources better? What can we do to use our resources better? What can we do to, of those resources that we have to be more like that widow and to be people who give, even where that giving is something little, but where it hurts us sometimes? First thing, and Debbie's already mentioned this, I think is to cultivate thankfulness in our hearts. It's to be people who are thankful and, grac- and grateful for all that we have. We work hard. We work hard to make the money that we make And yet it's not just our hard work that gives us the money that we make from what we do. There are other people that have made sacrifices for us to get to that place of where we are. The fact that we've got that job in the first place has often been the blessing of the Lord who's provided for us to be in that place of work when we have a work work and other people do not have work. God has given us the skills that we have for our work. So we are dependent upon things that have been given to us. All things that we receive have come from somewhere else. And to cultivate that attitude of being thankful for all that we have, even that stuff that we have, because it's a gift and we've been given it from somewhere else. It's not ours by right, it's ours as a gift. And that thankfulness helps us to remember that these aren't our things anyway. This isn't my time anyway. These aren't my resources anyway. This isn't my energy anyway. It's a gift and to be thankful for that and to be thankful people, turning that to God and thanking him for those resources. Secondly, it's learning from Jesus. Jesus has such an enormous heart for others. You don't need me to say that, hopefully. We know that Jesus has a huge heart for us. He has a heart for people coming to earth as a human being and walking amongst us, amongst all of this pain, shows what God is like and the heart that Jesus has for us. The way that he can focus in on a widow giving two small copper coins shows where Jesus' heart is amongst people, doesn't it? He notices. Jesus notices and Jesus sees all things. And it's to ask the Lord how we can become more like him, to learn from him. That's step-by-step thing. I think we're not overnight going to become like that. But it's step-by-step as he challenges us. What about this? And what about this? And what about responding to that? And what about responding to that? And what about responding to that? And we begin to sneak up on David Pharaoh more and more as we do that. (laughs) Step-by-step, we become more like Jesus. Thirdly, it's about receiving wisdom from the Holy Spirit. Some things are not right for us to do. It's not right for us to give all of our time so that we're completely, totally, and utterly exhausted and no use for anyone or anything. There's a sense to how much of the time that we give in order that we can still be giving time in six months' time, if that makes sense. It's not that we give completely to completely exhaust ourselves. It's not necessarily right that we take every, every bit of money that we've got in our bank account and immediately give it to something because there may be something coming around in two weeks' time that we should have been giving that thing to in the future. There's wisdom that's involved in all of this. If we responded to every need that we see, we wouldn't be able to respond to anything in the future. And yet if we respond to none of those needs that we see, then that's wrong too. So it's about asking the Lord... Where do I respond? How do I give that is right so I'm not giving indiscriminately? 
And then, as I said before, with this step-by-step thing, it's about hearing what the Lord is saying and doing it so that we become more sensitive to what the Lord is saying. Otherwise, we become one of those people that walks along not listening to the thing that the other person is saying and we don't get anywhere at all. It's about investing well, too. Jesus talks about where our treasure is and to be seeking to have treasure in heaven rather than treasure on earth. And by giving, by blessing, spending time with people and praying for people and pouring our energy into things, we are investing in heaven, not investing on earth. Not storing up things and stuff under our bed, but storing up things in a heavenly account. There's the centrality of faith. What did the woman have to live on? She gave two copper coins and she had nothing else to live on. No one was going to provide for her. She was a widow. There was nobody else at home to provide for her. What was she going to do? What was she going to do? And that's why Jesus praises her so much that all she could do was live by faith. Exactly what this coin is about that we were each given. You have provisions that the Lord God Almighty, the source of all things, our protector, will multiply and use to bless others. He used the five loaves and two fishes. May you carry the love and light of Jesus wherever you go. Let's hold on to these things and use them as to help us to grow in faith, to trust the Lord. That as we give what we've been given, that was never ours really fully in the first place, then the Lord will sustain us and help us, just as Shirley was talking about. And finally, I think there's a call for us to be decisive about things and to act. It's not a theory thing. Theory's got to come first and a decision's got to come first, but then some practice needs to come. And I think Debbie's going to lead us in a way that we can do that in just a moment. But before that, let's pray together. Lord, we want to thank you for the good things that you've given us. Thank you, Lord, for the inventory of blessings that you've poured into our lives. And would you help us to know how to use those things wisely? I pray for members of the congregation, Lord. I pray for us that where we do not have, that you will provide. Where we do not have money, that you will provide that money for us. Where we do not have time, that you will provide us with time. Where we do not have energy, would you give us energy? And for those of us who have no enthusiasm for anything, would you pour enthusiasm into our lives, I pray. And Lord, would you give us those things that we may give them back to you and be a blessing to others. But I pray, Lord, that you would help us to know what we have. And would you help us to trust you, Lord? Help us to trust you. Help us to trust you with all that you've given us because you've entrusted it to us and we want to trust you with our lives. And help us to do that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Let your living word abide in me so Let your name.